Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Sermon Taff. The sermon was given by Pastor Danielle Miller on May 13th, 2018, Bold Women of Faith Sunday. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. All of us, from an early age, learn certain markers to navigate the world we live in. For example, if you show up to an auditorium and there are a number of people with Russian-sounding names and leotards and point shoes, you would assume you're at a... What about an arena with men in tight pants, large shoulder pads, and helmets? Football. How about a sanitized hallway, plastic chairs, and bassinets? Hospital, right? So these are situations that have obvious shared cultural markers or indicators that we've learned from an early age point to a particular kind of event or experience. These indicators shape our expectations. Now imagine if those indicators were messed with. What would happen if you showed up in that same arena and it was filled with bassinets and people walking around in medical gear? Or if you showed up to the auditorium and you were handed an onion instead of a program and there were Girl Scouts building fire on the stage. You might be in an off-off-Broadway play or (laughs) it wouldn't fit into the categories we've learned. The indicators don't add up and so we're left back at the beginning or maybe even a little worse off than that. Because back when we were little children we had little to no expectation of what was going to happen. Now all we know is that we don't know what's going on and we don't have the tools to make sense of it. For the disciples, they are looking at a future where all the indicators have been scrambled. It started with Jesus' ministry declaring a whole new way. The last shall be first, the meek inherit, the hungry are filled, everything is, up to, everything is upended. And then Jesus has the audacity to die, dashing their hopes, and reordering their future. And then Jesus is so bold as to rise from the dead, completely overturning any order or shared markers. And now Jesus ascends into heaven and they are left alone. The world's completely in disarray. Nothing is as it should be. So what do they do? Well, they do what we humans are very good at. They try to make it fit. They start building structures around what they have seen and the only place they know to start is back before it all went awry. Jesus had 12 disciples and they had 11. It was time to rebuild the team. First, they gather the men who have been with Jesus since his baptism by John the Baptist. Note Andrew and Simon of the original 12 were disciples of John the Baptist before they transferred loyalties to Jesus. So I imagine there were others in the background. Not only do they want to rebuild the team, they're going way back to the beginning, trying to recreate the dynamic experience of the last three years. It comes down to Justice and Matthias. And then in the ultimate act of magic, I mean faith, they cast lots. And Matthias wins this holy game of chance. Order is restored, or at least the beginnings of order, and then God says, Oh, you're so cute, and Pentecost happens. While the disciples are so busy trying to recreate what was, God is already doing a new thing. As they cast magic lots to snag the venerable Matthias, the Holy Spirit is busy choosing the Ethiopian eunuch, Lydia and Paul. 
while they carefully preserve and construct the twelve, the Holy Spirit is being poured out on men and women, Jews and Greeks, witnesses of the resurrection and new converts. God has no time for our markers, for the testimony of God is always greater. The smallness of our institutions cannot compare to the vastness of God's call, something that would be wise for us to remember. So often, like the early disciples, the desire to make meaning and order out of God's world-altering actions stops us from being open to God's world-altering actions. The institution that is the organized church is a vehicle of faith, an important one, at least in my life and I hope in yours as well. But it is not faith itself. The rites and rituals we perform together are ways of trying to make sense, of making meaning. They are touchstones and indicators along the way meant to foster that faith, but they are not in and of themselves the way. We must always be aware that God is at work beyond our smallness, beyond our need for definition and order. Now, I realize that might sound strange as I stand up here in a pulpit dressed in a white alb surrounded by stained glass windows, but it's true nonetheless. Once we believe we have the corner on truth in the right way, we need a gut check. For all the good that the church universal has done in the world, our smallness has also done a great deal of harm. We need to claim that. We need to own that. Just like the disciples preserving the 12, we have left out our siblings in the faith along the way, all in the name of good order and preservation. For centuries, we systematically denied LGBTQ siblings their voice. For centuries, we systematically denied our sisters their voice. For centuries, we systematically denied our beloved community of diverse non-European family their voice. There's a reason that the world at large sees Christianity as segregated, homophobic, misogynistic, and judgmental. Church, we have a lot to make up for. We are the body of Christ, and we have abused that body. Often with the best of intentions as we cling to our casting lots like children clinging to teddy bears in the dark. We have done harm, and this is not the best of who we are. And yet, those who have been denied access to the institutions claiming to represent God have nonetheless become bringers of faith, workers of justice, and creators of community, whether or not they are given a stamp of approval. They persisted, they worked, they fought, they strove and prayed and lived into the calling of the Holy Spirit. It is the movement of the church underground which has always been and is the foundation of the church from the very beginning. At kitchen tables and in cotton fields, at bars and dance clubs, in ways intimate and universal, in the confessing church and in corporate acts of justice. You know, for much of my great-grandmother's life, so Gigi's mom, Women could not preach. They could not hold positions of authority. And yet when I think back on the most faithful and influential people in my life and in the life of the church I grew up in, I see seas of women. It is the faithfulness of the women that kept the church running. The faithfulness of my great-grandmother that gathered in worship, that played the songs of praise and made sure that there was room at the table for everyone. 
It was the faithfulness of the women that passed on the faith from generation to generation, that proclaimed the resurrection, that bore witness to the transformative work of Jesus, cared for and funded the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the disciples, the ministry of the early church. See, history has shown time and again that no matter how stringent the barrier, how narrow the marker, how small the institution, the Holy Spirit makes a way through her people. Where there is the possibility for transformation, where the truth of God's love takes root, where people are affirmed by the divine, God is at work. Now there are still parts of the church universal and of the Lutheran church, of our gathered body of believers that continue to draw lines and boundaries and borders, consciously and unconsciously in the name of Jesus, in the name of power, in the name of purity, in the name of truth, maybe just in the name of comfort and good order. This is not the gospel the world needs. And these are not the words that Jesus left us with. Today, this country celebrates Mother's Day by valuing motherhood so much that we are willing to separate families and children because we suspect they cross the border illegally. Where are we, church? These past weeks, the news have highlight, has highlighted how often white folk call the police on black folk for being in public spaces like parks and common rooms. Where are we, church? 2017 was the deadliest year for our transgender brothers and sisters in the United States on record, but especially our transgender sisters of color. Where are we, church? How are we responding to the call of the Holy Spirit to inhabit these public spaces? How are we allowing the Holy Spirit to anoint us to be the body, the complete body of Christ in the world? How are we following Jesus beyond Sunday morning, beyond ordered expectations, beyond safe assumptions and comfort spaces? Can we offer something other than the same old, something other than the narrow narrative, something other than the public rhetoric that suggests that God doesn't care, nor do God's people? Because I know that's not the revelation of faith given to me. That's not the God I know. It's not the body of Christ I know. The God I know cares deeply. The body of Christ I know cares deeply. During the ascension, the commission from Jesus was to go to the ends of the earth sharing God's love. Are we ready, church? Are we ready? Are we ready not only to share, but maybe even more importantly, are we ready to let others share God's love with us? And here's the scary truth. Whether or not you're ready, the Holy Spirit is still coming still coming, still calling, still patting us on the head and our attempts to tame her and pushing us beyond preservation of past to an upending and regathering of the future. Keep your eyes out for the signs. A week ago, Reverend Patricia A. Davenport and Reverend Vivian E. Thomas Breitfeld were elected the first African-American female bishops in the Lutheran Church. Come Holy Spirit. Amparo, that is, accompanying migrant minors with protection, advocacy, representation, and opportunities, is an initiative of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America that accompanies families and minors here in the United States and in their countries of origin, and it is taking root across the country. 
At Synod Assembly yesterday, we affirmed our commitment as a sanctuary synod and a partner in the Amparo process. Come, Holy Spirit. St. John's Lutheran Church on Christopher Street recently received a partnership grant to expand their gospel night ministry, celebrating the transgender, drag, and queer community of faith. Come, Holy Spirit. These are three moments in an untold number that we must tell. Because in the telling, we continue to manifest the spirit that brings them into being. And in the telling, the witnessing, they become not merely moments, but movements. Movements of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the church is imperfect. Yes, we quickly fall into the trap of drawing lots and trying to replicate years past. Yes, there is still work to be done. And yes, this gathering of God's people to discern the work of the Spirit is still worthwhile work to do. And when we tap it down, deny it, draw lines around it, guess what? It's going to bubble up somewhere else because the Spirit cannot be and will not be contained. So we need to get used to it. To God at work. God still at work in this imperfect and grasping space. God still pouring out grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy, not because of our worth, but because of God's love. And in those moments when we are willing to wrestle with what is for what can be, the Holy Spirit continues to push us beyond ourselves, breaking down walls and subverting expectations. Are we ready? Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Come hear a sermon and worship with us in person anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd Street and Broadway.